North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Let's start this morning by saying congratulations, Mr. Mayor. Well done on getting back in. Oh, thank you very much. This is the first podcast we've recorded since you've um, uh, won the seat or the mayoral tea in the Waitaki uh, district or electric. So, yeah, congratulations. And um, I think the community voted and, um, yeah. Yeah, no, so. it's always um, you know, pretty special to be chosen for such a role and, yeah, to be elected back in, you know, for, for a fourth term. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pretty uh, humbled by that and, uh, yeah, it's a privilege to um, be the Mayor of the Waitaki District. So, all good. Yep, well, well thank you for what you do and uh, let's crack on and see what the next few years look like. And you've got a good, um, diverse team with you of councillors, some fresh mm-hmm. ones and some existing ones. So, yep. yeah. Lowered the average age, which was Did really you? good. Wow, um, man, you know, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, no, there's, there's a good variety there yeah. and, yeah, some really good new councillors coming on board. So um, be meeting with them all and, yeah, looking forward to putting together the, the team properly. Fantastic. I wouldn't have your job for um, all the gold in the world, but um, you do it well, so I'll happily support okay. you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, do you want to introduce today's guest? Yeah. Look, uh, again, another interesting person. This one um, actually went through school a year ahead of me, so uh, yeah, I've known him for quite some time, because um, that was more than a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, really pleased to welcome Chris Dennison, uh, local farmer and business person. And um, yeah, welcome Chris, really good to have you here, looking forward to uh, yeah, hearing your stories. Thanks Gary, it's great to be here. Yeah, Chris, so you were nominated by uh, Eugene, he dropped you in it, yeah, but um, yeah, as soon as we figured out who you were and what you'd done, well, I, I didn't know, I'm like, why haven't we asked you earlier? So it's good to have you on the podcast, um, just what you've done in the community and who you are and what you represent, fantastic, um, but I want to know a wee bit more about you, and um, so let's start right at the beginning, are you Omru born and raised, or did you move to the area, or how long have you been here? Yeah, I've, I've been here, yeah, forever, all my life. So, um, yeah, yeah, born in Omaru, um, born in Hildethorpe. My, my, my family had a farm there. Yeah. And I uh, went to the little Hildethorpe school, which I think the roll got down to nine at one stage. So um, it was going to be closed and then it jumped back up again. So um, just, a, just a little primary school. Um, yeah. Then uh, off to Waitangi Boys. So that was a bit of a culture shock going from nine to 900. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where I started. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. So that Hilda Thought School, it did eventually close down? Yeah, it closed down um, in the 90s. Yep. Yeah, yeah, amalgamated with Papakai, just, just rationalisation had to happen. Yep. Yeah. How many of your siblings made up the nine? Or uh, yeah, no, none of the time, because no. I'm, I'm a bit of an autumn leaf. Oh, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my sisters, had, uh, I think the day I started was the day they left. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Um, 
That's interesting. So you're born up, born on a farm, into farming parents. Yeah. What? How far can you trace that back? Like, what is your connection, your family connection with the Hildathorpe or the North Otago farming community? So, so to the district goes back to the 1860s. So my seriously, yeah, I think my great great grandfather had a had a place just near the Hildathorpe School on the main road. Yeah. Um, had a little block there, uh, and then my grandfather he. Um, uh, he wanted to. He, he left the farm and uh, he went down to um, way down Southland. Um, yeah, and he got, he got too wet. Yeah. Uh, so then he went and bought a farm in Watahuna with the gold rush you know, areas um, and uh, too many, too dry and too many rabbits. Uh, then the war came along, so him and his brother thought they would just go off to the war as you do. Yep. Um, and uh, when he came back from the war, he bought the farm where we are now at Hildethorpe. He, he bought 160 acres. He was. Um, he was wounded. He had shrapnel wounds in his arm, so he was a little bit. Um, I, I never met him. He, he passed before I was born, but um, yeah, he, he was uh, yeah quite badly injured, and also yeah carried some other. He carried some yeah some uh, I guess yeah um, mental uh, baggage or baggage. Scars. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did, which yeah. has only come out recently. About wow. yeah, 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 and and really common, I, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. Yeah. It, Obviously, yeah. Now it's described as PTSD, but yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't no, described like that. No, back no, in the it day. wasn't. So, um, so my um, my dad had two brothers. Um, one of them uh, went on to um, be an academic and a teacher. Um, the other one uh, went into medicine, was a GP. Yeah. And because um, dad was a smart one, he thought he'd go farming. So um, yeah. <laughs> so um, he he left school at fifteen, um, probably to help his dad um, yeah. because he was he was struggling. I think he had good days and good weeks and, and not so good. Um, yeah. yeah. So. So he took on a 160-acre dry land farm and and pretty harsh country. It had been cropped out, no fertiliser. Um, sometimes they, they would only take a dray load of, of wheat, you know, a, a handful of wheat off a paddock because, yeah. yeah, just it, it had been depleted really, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, he built it up from there? Yeah, he did. He, he built it up there. So he... Um, yeah, he he, uh, he grew it over time. He went through the, some quite tough years. When, it, when we were kids, it was... Um, you know, we got the message that there wasn't any, any don't expect too much at Christmas because things were really tight. Um, yeah. I think he only had um, some so the sheepdogs and some rams on the farm. The rest of the stock were grazing because it was just, there was just no, no grass in the, in the early 70s. Um, they talked about six years of drought. So, mm. so when irrigation came along, he, he embraced that and got some irrigation and then bought another block of land and slowly, slowly built up the property. Yeah. So I know you've gone into farming, so they didn't put you off or you still, they... It was still a good lifestyle. You enjoyed being on the farm and doing that, or yeah, just see the tough times and think, oh, I don't know. No, no, I, I guess uh, as as kids, you get pretty resilient, and yeah, yeah it is what it is. Yeah, it might have been yeah. one Christmas. We still did all right. We still, uh, you know, my, my sister said, I don't know why they why they said that to us, but I guess it must have been the pressure they felt under, you know, um, yeah. at the time. So um, yeah, yeah, I used to enjoy the the farming side of it, not the stock so much. I, I would. I did I did that, but um, sort of the machinery, the excitement of harvest. My dad was mainly a sheep a sheep farmer, um, yeah. and uh, and so was my mum. She was she was from farming stock. She was in the land army, um, and but but it was the cropping, it was growing crops, and, and mainly the harvest, the excitement of yeah. harvesting machinery. Yeah, that yeah that sort of appealed to me. Yeah. So as you were going through high school, were you thinking, yeah, I'm going to go on to the farm? Yeah, or, or? yeah. Well, it was yeah yeah I was. Yeah. I, so um so I enjoyed that side of it, and I knew there was scope for me to. To grow that little little bit, um, I'm, I'm an only son, um, mm-hmm. and and my dad, uh, when he he was quite he was quite ill. He had um, he had uh, bowel cancer, and when he was in his fifties, probably when I was when I was at high school, um, 
Yeah, and he was yeah he was quite sick, which is some irony now that he's just turned ninety seven. So, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, still going. So, so he's still yeah still going. Yeah. yeah. So he he recovered from that, but he stepped back from some of that farming life and got into um, got into some community service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, I just want to acknowledge him because he he is well known around the district, um, and you know both as farmer and and some of the other activities he's been in. Yeah, he uh, he was yeah, he was heavily involved in things. He was he was never at home. At night, he was always away at a meeting when I was a kid. There would be school committees and in yeah. church, and um, yeah, he took Sunday school. And then he was um, he was a district councillor for some time, and and he sat on the catchment board, which is a precursor to the regional councils, I suppose, back in the day. Mm. Um, and he, he really enjoyed that the camaraderie, and it, it got away from the farm, and it gave me a bit of scope too to uh, yeah put my mark on the place. Yeah. So you obviously would have taken agriculture at Wadagi Boys. Was no, no, I d- no, I didn't. Um, I, did, I did sciences. Um, yeah. It wasn't an option. It was, pre- it was pretty archaic back in the day. It's yeah. either uh, either you took an academic stream of French and Latin. Yeah. Um, or you did bookkeeping and technical classes. Yeah. It was it was a bit of a cruel system, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have preferred to do metalwork or agriculture if it was an option, but yeah, yeah. wasn't there. No, but French has been really useful. Yeah. Bonjour. Yeah. Bonjour. Allez-vous, Francais? <laughs> non, non. Je suis un petit cochon. That's, anyway. Did, what about Lincoln? Did you always straight back onto the farm? How did that yeah, no, so, so I went to Lincoln, um, So which I, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you know, I guess the social side of it was pretty. Yeah. Um, met a new, new new friends. Um, and... Um, so I did the, yeah did a commerce degree at Lincoln for three years, yep. uh, and part of that was doing practical work. So I worked on um, a dairy farm in the Waikato, uh, and then I had a year off. I actually worked at home for the year off, which, in hindsight, maybe not the right thing to do. But um, what's uh, that? Oh, I probably should have just been a bit more adventurous. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a soft option. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and um, so push the, push yeah. the envelope a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I worked on a cropping farm in Canterbury, and I really enjoyed that. But it was just it was just summer work. Um, and yeah, had my time again, I would have yeah, yeah, pushed the envelope a bit more and maybe maybe done some sort of corporate work. Yeah, that mm. yeah, would have been good. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. But because yeah, I guess yeah, there's a bit of pressure on to come home. Not yeah. not overt, but it was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a rumor going around that you're more known for being a nerd than a jock. Now. <laughs> can you confirm or deny that rumor? Well, that would be right. That, that would be, be absolutely right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so my motto would be. Only run in case of fire. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, not not sporting, and, yeah. and the sporting part of my brain doesn't work really. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, the rules of rugby I almost find too complex. So um, yeah, I wasn't sporty at school. Yeah. Um, so so I was in the debating team. That was yeah. that was my thing. Um, yeah, I couldn't run, but I could talk a little bit. Yeah. So um, yeah, and it's interesting in this such a sporting culture we have in this country. Um, yeah, sometimes um, yeah, I, I find in social conversations I. I, I didn't say too much, otherwise I'd get myself in trouble. You'd get found out. I'd get found out yeah. really quickly, yeah. But your academic side, did that, um, any awards at uh, Wataki Boys or through to Lincoln? How did you? So, yeah, so no, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the um, in the Ducks category, but, yeah, um, yeah it was just, yeah, good, good, good enough. Um, so, yeah, yeah and I really I quite enjoyed um, debating. Uh, David Evenham was my debating coach. He just passed away yeah, only a few weeks did. ago. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we had a we had a pretty good crew, and we did quite well with that. So at least, yeah, I guess if I, I could represent the school in something I was good at. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so you, you you headed off to Lincoln. Um, so it was three years. Yeah, and then yeah. back to back home. Yeah, to back onto home. the farm. Yeah. So 
yeah, it's always a tricky thing, succession planning on farms and so forth. So, yeah, how, how did that all go? I mean, what was the plan with your dad? Yeah, so, um, so my dad was spending a lot of time off farm. We had um, we had a really good um, had really good staff. We've always had really good staff. So um, a chap called Tony Rawson, the Rawson boys that well known around town, their, their dad. Oh, wow. um, yeah. he, he worked for us until he retired. Um, so so he was he was there as a real stalwart. So Tony and I ran the place, and Dad would be away at meetings sort of most of the time. Um, but but he was still there as a bit of a guiding hand. Um, yeah. So um, so we. We started growing some more crop, uh, and in the in the late eighties, we went out and bought some machinery, and and it was a complete disaster. Actually, I went and bought a, a combine second-hand combine harvester, and I thought I was going to play Mary Howe, and interest rates went to twenty-six percent, and a flood came and wiped the crop out, and um, yeah, it was sort of oh, yeah, wow. yeah, sort of set, set us back a little bit. And my, some of my colleagues from Lincoln were were working um, in the in the city uh, when the share market was booming, and they were driving out for Ramos, and yeah. Um, and we were, uh, yeah, we were in subsistence. So that, mm. that was a bit of a tough time. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, everybody else sort of, because it was, yeah, it was really tough for egg, egg in those days. Yeah, um, but you yeah. stuck with it. Yeah, well, I, I stuck with it. Um, my, my wife was nursing, Kay was nursing, and she was earning more than the whole farm put together. Mm. Um, so that that helped a bit of the time. But um, yeah, uh, I, you know, farming is a, uh, maybe may, may in some screams you'd go in for the money, but if. And anything in life, if you if you're not passionate about it, then it's hard hard work. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just I just love it really. It's not yeah, Monday morning's not not a not a drain. So yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so so you gradually brought your father out, did you? Yeah, so that, um, so I've got two sisters. So yeah. we um, yeah we uh, come to a range of the stage of their life when they were had growing families and looking to buy houses and things. So um, yeah, so we had a settlement which. Which at the time everybody's happy really because it was like, uh, well, there's something now, or there could be more later. Um, with my dad at 97, the later was going to be a long time. So um, yeah, uh, so that's that worked really well because it is it's a big issue with farming families. So mm. yeah, um, and the asset wasn't as big, and, um, and plus I, I guess I didn't want to be a situation where I was building something and growing it and then have it diluted later. So. Yeah. Um, so that was very um, that was very amiable, yeah. yeah. And how many hectares did you take over at that stage? Uh, so I think it might have been t- uh, two twenty something like right. that. Right. Yeah. So grown a wee bit over yeah. the years. Yeah. Yeah. So it sort yep. of doubled a bit more over yep. the years. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. And and then over time you've just added to the farm and um, yeah bought up more paddocks as you've gone. Yeah. Yeah. We have so some yeah um, dad started with one hundred and sixty acres. 70 hectares, and then just as neighbouring blocks have come available, um, we're right up against the sea, against the coast, um, so we're a little bit trapped about how we could expand. Um, so we've we've just done that as, um, when, yeah, when neighbours come to the market and when we mm. thought we could afford it, bit mm. by bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then we, uh, what we did was we, um, uh, we cut off some land and converted that to a dairy farm uh, back in the late 1990s, when... We were we were farming sheep and we didn't let done a lamb beat with my dad and um, I came back and run some maths and I said we could lease this to someone else and make more money than not have to go around and do a lambing beat every day. So it was a pretty attractive proposition because sheep farming wasn't that good then. Um, and so we uh, we did we leased released part of our farm for uh, for 13, 12, 13 years mm-hmm. to a young couple who converted it to dairy and they um, they stayed there for thirty years. My, my farm advisor at the time said, um, he said, oh, most people, almost everybody who leases a farm 
never farms it again. But um, in our case, um, yeah, we sort of bucked the trend on that. So, so uh, we leased out to this young couple who um, who just wanted to have their roots in the community. So they they built a shed and um, they milked on that. Um, and the the lady who still who did it's not so young now. We're all not so young now. She's still um, she's still come back and um, she's a casual milker for um, on the on the farm at the moment. So um, right. so that that worked out. They were happy, and it let us concentrate on developing the rest of the farm into a cropping farm. So we. They wouldn't be the Hoopers, was it? They the Hoopers, oh, absolutely. Look at that! I've yeah, just got a connection together. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, um, so Michelle and Grant. Yep. Uh, the lovely people to work with. Yep. And so, then um, the amazing yeah. um, daughters, Jillian, yeah. um, Cheryl, and yep. Melissa. Yeah. yeah so yeah, they really spent the years growing up. Um, yep, yeah. On the farm. On the yep. farm. Yeah. Made a connection. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so that uh, that went that went really well for us, and it it let us let me focus on the arable cropping side of it. And so yeah. we um, eventually uh, sold our sheep down until there was none left and went, went, went 100% arable, yeah. So yeah. what did Dad think about this? And all of oh. a sudden you're putting cows on. Was it a, did it take a bit to twist his arm? <laughs> yes. So that, yeah, that's uh, very intuitive that you should ask that. So um, it, it was a gradual process and, and yeah. um, I think we got down to 600 sheep and then one day he said to me, I think we should get rid of these sheep. Yeah. So it was interesting that I, I sort of yeah it came from him because I uh, I'd, I'd kept on persevering with, with with 600 sheep more more or less you know for yeah to, yeah to keep him happy a little bit but um so the idea came from him one Saturday morning so um yeah like the next week they were on the market <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um I I, th- I guess he'd he'd wanted to see me prove myself growing arable crops yeah yeah, yeah. and by that stage we'd. he'd could see that we're making some progress. Yeah. So just pretend I don't know too much about farming. <laughs> just it's for not too big a so leap. Define arable oh, crops yeah. for me, please. Yeah, so um so they tend to be crops that you'd harvest with a combine harvester, so wheat, um, wheat and barley, um and and ryegrass seed. So um yes, so yeah, um, crops that you would plant every year and then you'd you'd harvest them once a year and, and, and start with another crop. So arable crops are crops that you'd harvest with a combine harvester. They're planted every year, so annual crops. Every year you plant a, plant a different one. So wheat and barley would be the most commonly known, but um, peas and ryegrass and, and, and lots of uh, different small seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you said you had a passion for that right from a young age, and and so it's still your passion now. You get yeah yeah it's still my it's it's. What? It's almost growing that passion, actually. Yeah. So, what is it about, like trying to get the best yield or trying to get the? What is it that just excites you? Bigger, so, bigger toys. Yeah, uh, but yeah, bigger. T- yeah. Oh, so it's the toys. Oh, that the go. toys, the sand pit, uh, the sand pit phenomenon, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> That's the difference between men and the boys, the size of their toys. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do. Lo- I do, I do love working with machinery. I'm, I'm not particularly good at. I'm pretty good at breaking things, and I yeah. have, have good people work with me to fix them again. But uh, yeah, I um the satisfaction of, of of creating something, so you know, in life you you make something or you make a difference, and you know, um, yeah. so it's quite nice to be able to um, maybe in some parts of my life make a difference, and other other parts it's quite yeah. cathartic to be able to create something. So, yeah. and there's a bit of excitement. It's a bit like going fishing. You you only get one harvest a year, and and if you yeah, if you make a really good job and, and the weather and a few things line up, you do really well. And sometimes you don't, and you analyse that. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So no, I get a get a real kick out of it. Yeah. yeah. Because you've got to put the right ingredients together, don't you? You know, as far as weather, um, you know, commodity prices obviously come into the whole financial side of it. And but you, you've you've done well with irrigation um, because we can't rely on rain locally. And uh, you know, you've yeah, you've you've had some good years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have. We're we're a little bit fortunate. It is 
by, by luck for me, when I was growing up, it's one of the best places to grow grain in the world. It re- uh, really is because of um, just our local climate. Um, so we, we sit here on an island. So we've got an island nation maritime climate with long sunshine airs during the um, – it's, it's quite hard to duplicate anywhere in the world. So, so, yeah. so that's – oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So it's a wonder we're not doing a lot more crop or – So, um, yeah. Because yeah, we could become the next big producer of – yeah, so I think we, we lack some scale. We're a long way away, so often the, it's domestic market. We're, yeah. not, we're not set up for export. Okay. Um, and, and land's become really valuable because of the you know, dairy, the dairy commodity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's, um, so, so parts of the UK and Scotland are, uh, are similar to the South Island of New Zealand and, yeah, because um, we don't get too hot or too cold, so we can grow really big cereal yields here. Yeah, yep. yeah. So what's uh, you know what what what's what's a high yield for you? Uh, so so um, so high yield is um, it would be 15, 16, 17 ton a wheat. Um, yeah, and uh, lots of parts in the world would be doing five or six or two or three off a hectare. Yeah, but also, oh sorry, off a hectare. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know any recognition? I don't know awards. Guinness yeah. World Records, yeah. anything like that? Yeah. You you know you've just ticked <laughs> off along the way. Leading question. Yeah, oh, yeah. So um, look, I, I might just background this a little bit about yeah. about the year two thousand. Um, we were struggling a bit to get good agronomy advice. So um, so a few farmers, Peter Mitchell, he might know of, and um, and another farmer, Richard Patton, and I, we combined and we um, we employed a, a dedicated agronomist. So, um, who's based in Timor? She came out from the UK on a maybe a two or three year sabbatical, uh, and she was um, she really knew the science of growing wheat. Whereas we'd been struggling here with them um, being serviced by um, reps from the commercial firms who were wanting to sell you a product, um, and probably just didn't have the technical background. So they were doing a good job at their ability, um, and so she really reset the clock and on how to grow wheat, and she'd have us out there you know, lecturing us. Uh, Splitting plants open with um, with pocket knives and looking at growth stages and understanding the agronomy, which which I'd never really learnt at Lincoln. Um, I hadn't dealt that depth had that depth in it. Um, and and her comment was that you should be growing the best wheat in the world here. And we were at this at the time, ten ton of the hectare was seen to be a target. There was a bit of a ten ton club. If you got ten ton, you were you yeah. were nailing it. And she said, No, 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 no. You're, you're setting your sights too low. Um, and so we sort of took that on board and. Um, we had one. We had a paddock uh, which hadn't been cropped for 30, 40 years. So it had been in lease. A lot of fertility built up, and um, uh, it, so we sort of set this paddock up and um, thought, wonder how high we can go. And as it happened, uh, we yeah we um, we measured it for a Guinness World Record, and it um, it yielded sixteen ton. Um, so it was you know, fifty cent more than the average. Um, so and that was with her good guidance and using some some UK techniques. Yeah. yeah. So how did, like, you obviously knew it was going to be a good, um, so how did you get Guinness involved and how did uh, you? Yeah, okay. Um, um, so we, we had a feeling it was. Yeah. yeah um, but it was, uh, so it, it, so to get Guinness involved, I applied online. So yeah. um, this was 2004, yeah. yeah. Um, and they sent me a set of rules which said it needed to be um, witnessed. Um, so we had to have a JP involved or somebody yep. like to witness it. Um, the weight had to be over a registered weigh bridge, so we set that up. Uh, and the survey had to be a registered survey. Um, so we had um, local survey come and um, do it with GPS mm. and uh, and then yeah, got hold of um, uh, Jock McLeod at the time, who's a JP, to come yep. down. Um, we, we kept it under the radar because if it didn't work, I didn't want to be seen the guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Yeah, and so um, we harvested one field, and it, um, uh, the previous record had been 13 tonne uh, yeah. set in, in, in Scotland. Uh, and we on the day, we took it off at 14.1. We thought, oh, this is pretty good. So we, yeah, we weren't too sure because we had to do a little bit of maths around it, but we thought, yep, close mm-hmm. enough. So the next day, I went and harvested um, eight hectares was the, or 28, eight hectares is the minimum requirement. And I had a paddock that was seven, but so uh, I went and did that the next day, and it was even going better. So we stopped the process after we just started and got the JPs back and measured everything I had in the bin. Um, yeah, and it was a bit over 16.4 tonne. So we um, had to average it all out. So I had to put in the smaller paddock with the, with the bigger one. So average ended up 15 tonne per hectare, which was um, which is a new world record. So yeah, um, so we sent that away to Guinness with all our paperwork, and, and it needed... Um, publicity as well. They wanted articles from newspapers, I guess, to promote yeah. the Guinness World Record franchise. Yeah. Um, so um, so I'm a remote spread, and yeah, it was sort of quite big news back in the day. The record had been held in the in the UK for maybe eight or ten years previous to that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So is it still the record? No, no. So um, oh. I held that for four years, and then yeah. I went to a farmer in Southland called Mike yeah. Solari, um, and he had it for three or four years. Then it uh, went back to the UK. Yeah, uh, a chap called Tim Lam- Lammyman, I think, uh, took it over there. Um, and then um, it came back and currently sits in Ashburton with Eric Watson. So it's been doing this um, ping yeah. pong uh, across the globe. Yeah, there's a, a few players. Uh, they've made the rules a lot harder now. Okay. Yeah. So it used used to be that prior to harvest you did those things, you measured the crop and you had witnesses. Um, now you need to register the crop before you sow it. Uh, and every action you have needs to witness when you're spraying and fertilizer spreading to stop. Yeah. Yes, illegitimate practice, bad practice, bad environmental practice, but yeah. um, a bit frustrating because you know the largest pumpkin. You don't have to register that before you um, yeah. before you <laughs> before you weigh it. So so yeah. um, it, it's become yeah quite a lot of yeah. Um, yeah, paperwork, and, and you almost need a sponsor to do it now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's a question: Is that competitive side in you? Do you want to go for the the record again, or you're happy having it once? So um, yeah, uh, I might. Might, yeah, might. I, so, so yeah. Um, I thought I'd lost my touch because our yields had gone off a bit. And we hadn't. Um, we've had a few attempts over the years, and we've just fallen short. Sometimes quite a bit, and sometimes not much. But um, two years ago, we knocked out a seventeen point four, which uh, this was the same as the world record set that year. So what what you need is a good crop, well looked after, in a really good year. Yeah. So you've got to have the because sometimes yeah you've got to have the stars aligned. So yeah. sometimes we'll grow. A good crop, a grown, you know, in terms of getting the inputs and the timings right, and then it's too cloudy. Um, so you you really need a, a bright sunny year, um, yeah. and they come along every four or five. So yeah. you, you wanted to the year you grow a good crop to be the sunny year, and you, you might might get it. So yeah. Gary, yeah, I never thought I'd be so fascinated by weight. That's a great story, and it's uh, thank you for coming along today. It's yeah, who ever thought that wheat could be exciting and yields and yeah. Yeah, well, it's 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 the story of irrigation in North Otago too, isn't it? Because it is. you know you wouldn't have that if you didn't have the water yeah. water coming via irrigation. Absolutely right, Gary. Yeah, it is a story of irrigation. Yeah, and it allows us to um, push the limits on 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 inputs because you know you can finish it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're lucky here with nice sunny conditions over the summer. So yeah, yeah. I mean, some some yeah. It's it's, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's, it's drought conditions. Um, with irrigation yeah. that give you the best yields. Absolutely. So last year we used very little irrigation. Um, it was a, a wet, you know, overcast year. And, and I thought, this is great. I'm saving some money on some, some water and some work um, and some of the worst yields we've ever had. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just not enough sun. Things like disease and so forth. I mean, are we 
you know, reasonably well off with that stuff? Do you do you need to use sprays just the same as everywhere else? Or? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's quite formulaic that side of it. Yeah, so we work on a protect rather than rather than um, cure mm. basis. So, um, and the, the, there's quite quite set regimes around that. Yeah. yeah, and is there, you know, some some farmers will be doing organic type things. Is is that feasible? So the very few are because the premiums. Haven't haven't covered it, yes. Mm. Especially when you've got this irrigation, got the potential for a higher yield. I think if you were in a dryland situation where you had perhaps a lower yield, um, but uh, you you do it, it's organic farming is really difficult because you need because um, you can't use the, the weed sprays and you haven't got the fungicides. So often you're using older varieties have got greater resistance to disease, uh, and then you need a lot of rotation to get fertility back in. Mm. So so you can't run hard to run 100 percent arable. You need a livestock regime and that, that doesn't fit my psyche anymore so yeah and you were talking before about the land being depleted and so mm. on um in the, those earlier days um so, so what do you do to so, lift so that? yeah that, that involved a lot of fertilizer really um so lime and fertilizer and um and then we we mulch our straw back into the soil so we did uh, work, work ground back in but it was it was mainly around getting the, the chemistry right um and if you get the chemistry right, then the biology comes right. So yeah, there's, there's you know, a lot of talk about regenerative farming now, and I understand that. But you need to have your base levels of, yeah. And mm. I guess for, they deplete, they just taken crops off and not put put any phosphate back. And um, yeah, so now we're finding, as we grow larger crops, we're taking more away. So we've got to be you know, really careful how we monitor what we put back, and also with trace elements. So we use quite a few um, elements like zinc and copper and. Um, and something that, that years ago was seen to be uh, not a limiting issue, but yeah, as you as you push the yields higher, it's all it's about the, the weakest link, isn't it? Yeah. So is, is that a result of the agronomist's advice uh, as well? Or no, so that's separate to that. No, it's my, so my own trial and error. My own trial and error. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I had um, uh, I had some really big yellow strips in a crop, and um, and the science advice was it was shorter potash. Um, uh, but I just went out and sprayed little strips of different things and found that zinc was the answer. So, mm. um, so we applied zinc and it was like a, yeah, within a week it turned green. Miracle cure. Yeah. And stubble. And so you you plough back in yeah, rather, so rather we, than burn off. Yeah. So we um, we do a little bit of everything. So yep. so we we mulch straw back in where we can. Um, we sell some to the dairy industry. We use some on our own dairy farm. Uh, and occasionally we'll burn some. I'm hesitant around that because it's just. It's nerve wracking, really. Large fires, um, and, and almost every time I do it, the, somebody reports a fire. <laughs> so, because it's not a culture of burning stubble here, but it does yeah. have benefits of, of cleaning up disease, and mm. and, um, and sometimes makes cultivation easier. So, less diesel, so less fossil fuel. So, yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we'll, we'll burn maybe one paddock a year, and we'll mulch some of them, and we'll bale some of them. So, a bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, just from what you went through and winning that Guinness really put you on the radar, did you become a bit of a expert or a person to turn to in New Zealand or North Otago? Were you were you speaking at conferences or helping out on other farms, sharing your knowledge? Or? Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a legend main lunchtime back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I did. I, I, spoke at, I spoke at conferences. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I travelled to Canada, actually, and did a present a keynote speaking speech there. So that was that was pretty cool. To All think. expenses paid? All expenses paid. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, went over there 1 November, so back in Pike River. So it's a long time ago now, but um, yeah, yeah uh, minus 30 in Canada in November. So that was uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool to be there in the winter. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was 
And and then I became for a while and drifting off now, but um, bit of a network. So I would regularly have overseas visitors call in, stay, and have a chat, doing Nuffield scholars and different things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And um, Jim, have you still got him out working on the farm? Jim, my dad, Jim. Yeah, yeah, no. So <laughs> so so he was on the farm until last year. Right. Um, yeah, he was. Um, uh, in his nineties, he'd still be riding a, a two wheel motorbike around the farm, and very alert and telling me, you know, the bits I'd missed and what needed to be done. Um, so um, he went. He uh, he had a stroke uh, last year and went into care. So he's at the observatory village, and he loves it there. They look after him really well. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, he's still yeah. So ninety seventh birthday in July. So um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, for someone who was quite ill when he was fifty six, he's um, he's done okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. You, you you haven't just stayed on the farm either. You know, you, you, your interests have spread from there, and I know you, you know you've been director on different things and so forth. Um, do you want to elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess my governance career kicked off with the Lawaitaki Irrigation Company. So somebody rang me and they said, um, "You'll like this guy." They said, uh, "Someone from the district council wants to get on the irrigation company. Would you would you throw your name in the hat because we don't." We'd rather have a farmer than a district councillor. <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, that's okay, if that's what you want. Um, so I put my put my form in to, be, to, to apply to be a director. And what it had been a miscommunication. It was actually only a proxy form had come from the council. So um, so I ended up standing against a couple of well-known farmers, which so I wasn't, wasn't, part, wasn't part of the agenda at all, really. Um, and, um, and I happened to get on. So that was, um, that was sort of the start of my government's career. Uh, so back in the early, it'd be early 2000s. Um, and I, uh, at the time, there was uh, Project Aqua was wanting to come down through the valley. So um, so the irrigation company was quite involved with discussion with Meridian about where this canal was going to go and the consequences to cutting a whole irrigation scheme in half and, uh, and, and also about water allocation, who was going to have the water. Um, so I was there for a year and um, Roger Slee, the chairman, um, we'd had new... I had a heap of meetings about Meridian, and he said, oh, I've got a meeting on one o'clock, can you come? So I went along, and and no one else was there. I said, well, when are the rest of them turning? What's happening? And he said, oh, it's just you and I. I said, oh. He said, um, he said oh, I'm not, I, I've, I've got a health issue at the moment, and I'm, re- I'm going to retire, so um, you're going to be the new chairman. So I, I'd been to six meetings, and it'd been, yeah, and I guess that was a bit of a, yeah, it comes a bit of a shock. Um, mm. so, so I said, oh, well, what are the rest? He said, no, no, I've talked to everybody else, it's all, it's all good. So I thought if I had the support of people like um, Ian Hurst was on the board and you know yeah, um, and I thought well, if the rest of the board were keen for that I yeah I, I would have a crack but um yeah, I was a little bit insecure about that mm. so that's that's how that that, that, that kicked that off um, and uh, so about the same time we'd done the Guinness record thing so there's a bit of profile in the in the paper and I I didn't go seeking the profile just sort of came with the challenge of grains of wheat mm-hmm. uh, the chairman of Ravensdown rang me up and said, um, uh, we're looking for it. He said, I don't really know you. We're looking for a candidate here who's going to take my place because I'm going to retire. Uh, would you put your name in? So I did. So I put my name in to, um, for that. And there was an election from farmers. Um, so I had to send out some some electioneering material. So yeah, it was, yeah, we'll all be familiar with electioneering, Gary, but um, it was all new to me. Um, yep. And and that was favourable. I ended up being voted on that board. So I went from... You know, being on a little irrigation company and driving a tractor uh, into a corporate boardroom, um, which is, yeah, uh, I guess it's fortunate, really hard to do that today, I think. But, um, yeah, uh, so I had to go buy a suit. 
and, um, <laughs> and get schooled up on, on boardroom etiquette. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'd, that would have been a massive learning curve. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really was. Um, sure. It was, I was one of the, I would have been in my early 40s, and so I was the boy on a board of mainly people in their 60s, yeah. but they really they embraced me and really encouraged me and coached and mentored. And yeah, mm. I just sat there and didn't say too much for the first little bit. Um, yeah. So you would have learned a lot. You would have picked up a lot of life skills. Uh, and, yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot, and, and it was so I could what I learned on the on the larger board I could bring back to the lower tacky company. So there yeah. was there was a lot of transfer of skills there. And yeah. Back in the day, the the company had no had no strategy document. It just yeah. just did the same thing every year and took yeah. it along. So we yeah, so I've you know, sort of grew that company with you know got some direction into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the benefit of those professional director skills, isn't it? That, yeah, you know that. It's great having locals on these things, but if they haven't got those things, you know, it just helps organisations, companies become more strategic, actually focus on good governance and running things well. Yeah, absolutely right, right, right Gary. And, and, it's, and it is hard to get into that governance business now, mm. yeah, because there's, there's less small companies around for people to cut their teeth on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So what are you involved in now? What, what boards or so, committees are So I'm, I'm currently... Um, Currently on the Farmlands Board. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm actually up for election right now. So um, yeah, <laughs> so I've got two people standing against me. So I'm on, I'm on the hustings. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a it's an elected position. So the shareholders of the South Island choose who sits on that board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's currently there's three in a, three in the race. So I've been there for two terms. So there's th- yeah three years each. So I've been there six years sitting on that board. Yeah. Um, and then I chair Network Waitaki, the local lines company. So I've been. I think this will be my ninth year I'm in now. So I've I was on the board for three years and then um, asked to cheer that. For, so I've been cheering the last six. So you've gone through quite a lot of change, certainly on Network Waitaki, you know, UCE, and those, those sorts of things, and and the challenges of the, the legislation and all the requirements around um, lines companies and so yeah. forth. You know, we we have that obviously with councils, but uh, lines companies have them too. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what's, what's been some of the big challenges overall? So uh, it is a highly regulated business. So we've had to, um, we're changing the way we charge, so moving to more to fixed costs because running an electricity network uh, doesn't wear out with electricity running through it. Um, it costs the same whether it's on or off. And so we're, we're moving to having more higher, higher daily charges and less variable. So the, in, in theory, the, the net results uh, is the same. It's, um, it's a zero sum, but um, it just... It means that um, it ref- more cost reflective, and that's coming from government legislation. Um, so the electricity authority they really dictate how we work, and and, and rightly so. Monopoly businesses, um, yeah. So um, so yeah, it's we, we've had a, a real focus on health and safety, as you imagine. It potentially it's a dangerous business when you're working at heights um, with electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so we've we've been focusing on that to make sure that we keep our people safe, um, and and also a lot of yeah. Getting getting our systems um, up to date because it had been um, it had been it had been well run for a long time, suitable for the, for its day, but it wasn't really fit for purpose of the current environment. And you know, same same as council, Gary, you understand. Um, yeah. So we've had to grow our staff numbers, which it does add you know, compliance adds cost, but um, if it's keeping people safe and it's giving um, and, and we're fitting with legislation, then it just has to be done. So um, so yeah, we've um, had a new CE who's been there a bit over three years. Um, and yeah, fresh, fresh set of eyes. Um, yeah, some, some, some enthusiasm. It's, it's, it's great. So, uh, so we're bringing back a, a number of, um, number of businesses back in house. Things used to contract out. Um, 
and we've just branched off and, and we've set up a new branch in Cromwell in the last three or four weeks. So we've grown our contracting business. So um, uh, really good crew, uh, you know, sort of best little lines company. We're small, but we're one of the one of the most um, cost effective for our consumers and also one of the most reliable. So it's a sweet spot to be in. Win-win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Network Wadagi does so much for the district, you know, um, sponsorship and grants and things like that. It's just, I just, you might better help me, both, both of you guys, because we see Network Wadagi does that, but who set that up? As a trust like that to bring the money back in the community, that was just whoever did that was so visionary. And or well, how does that work? Any so, um, I'll have a crack at that without yeah. knowing the full history. So, it's um, the trust is 30 years old, yeah. so the, the business is 100 years old uh, next year, um, celebrating centenary, and the trust will be 30 years old uh, through government legislation back in the uh, I'm guessing it's 90s, early 90s, um, was uh, to to split off what was the power board, was the Waitaki oh, Electric Power Board, yeah. um, <clears throat> and there was a whole lot of different ownership structures throughout the country, and some of them had generation and retail in different parts, so they split it up so that a retailer couldn't be a generator and, and a distributor. Um, and so that was when the trust was formed, um, and so that which put it into local ownership. So every consumer owns a part of it, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so at some stage um, they decided to... Use some of the profit to go towards grants and yes, so forth. Yeah, and, so that's yeah. so there's, I guess as a as a shareholder, you're looking for some return, um, and traditionally you would give a, a dividend, uh, and so we do it two ways. We give a discount, um, which we've moved to about Christmas time, so it's yeah. more meaningful for people. So that's um, it's in proportion to how much uh, you consume, really, or how large your connection is, and then the other side. So so as a consumer, we're obliged to do that because it's. It's each consumer has something rather than the community. Um, and then we have um, your community interests as well. So we um, support maybe 30 or 40 different, lots of small grants around, around town. Um, uh, and it's really encouraging, so the, the play centre and the Highland dancing. And we, we try to be as even-handed as we can. Um, yeah. So we do that. And then we do some sponsorship of events. So Victorian Fate would be and, – um, and every now and then there's a one-off – Something might come to Omaru, so um, I think Mamma Mia was, uh, um, yeah, we sponsored that. Um, and more recently, we had the opportunity to um, support the the um, event centre, so, um, yeah, uh, and we really wanted to make a bit of effort there to, yeah, get our name on it, literally. Mm. Um, so we were really happy to that, our generosity of, you know, of the Hearst family, of Doug Hearst, and um, uh, they approached us, and we thought, this is, um, this is something big that we can do, only, you know, Bit of a once in a lifetime opportunity to do that, um, and and it's had uh, really great support from our consumers too, because it was a little bit um, uh, out of the norm for us to do that. Yeah, um, but uh, no, we're, we're delighted that's going ahead. And yeah. so, what's what is Network Wataki's commitment to the? So it's um, it's two point five million dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so the council work with that. We've put some up front, and yeah, we're going to feed it over the years. Plus, we've made some other commitments around around supporting it and um, fittings. Yeah. 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 So the um, yeah, so it gives ten years naming rights sponsor um, sponsor rights. So yeah, it's good, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one way you know. Brilliant. That, yeah, and and you know, it's really just if I can say on on behalf of council, it's it's been really good working closely with Network Waitaki on a range of things, and um, our CEs you know have been working closely together, and the relationships probably as good as it's ever been, which I'd is agree. positive. Yeah, absolutely right, Gary, and so. Um, no, it's really important in, in our communities to the, 
guess the, the leaders of these larger businesses work together and there's a, a tight connection between the network and, and the council. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit more about um, Farmland. So that is, is that a, this is a South Island-based company, is it? So or cooperative? It, so it um, it's a national-based cooperative. Okay. So um, it, it's a, a merger between two companies. So Farmlands was a North Island uh, farmer supply cooperative and uh, in the South Island we had a company called CRT uh, and about eight years ago they merged to form Farmlands. Yep. Yep. Um, so 80, 83 stores, 1,300 staff um, uh, with a $2 billion turnover. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a big player in the retail. Yeah. So um, so I've yeah, been there for, yeah, as I say, six years. Um, and and I, it, it's a really interesting board. There's a really good mix on it. So a number of independents with uh, specialised retail and, and other skills um, and some farmers that, that, that bring, a, I guess, a local flavour and a sort of ground, grounded a little bit as to what's relevant to the shareholder. So, yeah. So we um, so it's mainly rural retail through Farmland's stores that you see around, yeah. uh, and we sell fuel through Farmland's Fuel and just just um, just recently renamed to Fern, so that's a big part of our business, um, and nutrition. So we've got a couple of feed mills that make um, feed for horses and cows and chickens and rabbits, yeah, um, so quite a big feed business. Uh, and the Farmland's Card, which is, um, I guess it's a bit like a credit card, but gives you a, a discount... Um, a lot of places around mm. rural, rural New Zealand. I, I might need to get one of them because um, is it back country or you stop the um, there's jerseys and things yeah. like that and, and my children are yeah, all their friends are wearing it so yeah. like back, might, back road or something back like road, that. yeah, that's yeah. the one yeah, back yeah. road yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I might have to get one of those cards yeah no you can just go down get, we'll, we'll, farmers will take your cash down yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm always after a bargain <laughs> though you know Chris Hey, um, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's just you've you've led a very interesting life, like, and you've given not just to this district, but you're actually, um, you know, the community through all the boards and chairs and everything you sit on. So, uh, yeah, it's quite quite fulfilling and rewarding. You'll find, and yeah. still so young. Yeah. Oh, it's still so young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so much more to go. Yeah, just um, oh, it just sort of happened. It was just yeah. a, just a one thing. And I guess maybe the answer is to say yes. It's pretty easy to say no. And, yeah, yeah now, at my age, I'm a bit more inclined to say no right now. But, yeah, through yeah. my 40s and that, just, just yeah. yeah. One, it seemed to be a lot of coincidences. I guess they weren't coincidences, but that's the way it felt to me at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd like to finish these with a couple of big questions. Uh, I've got one. Um, well, I've, not got, sure. I've got three. Oh, you're only yes. allowed one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned before about toys. Tell us about your favourite toy on the oh, farm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a dangerous question. <laughs> How long have we got? So, <laughs> so, so cropping farmers just um, they love their common harvesters. That's um, yeah, and and and, and you know, I'm a little bit obsessive. I become quite animated talking about combine. So uh, last year I bought a new combine harvester because um, I figured um, I'm, yeah I thought I've got about ten years left cropping, so I thought I might as well buy one now. There's ten years in me, yeah. And while I was um, was at the training day, there was an old chap there. Um, and he, he was with his son. I thought, oh, that's nice. His son's brought Dad along um, to show him the new technology. Uh, but I had that a bit wrong. Um, the, the old chap had brought the son along, and he was buying his combi, new combine harvester at the age of 94 <laughs> and still drove it every day. So, so you've got a few Yeah, I reckon years. I might have two more in yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I love the harvest, and it's really nice working with, with new machinery. It's reliable, and, um, yeah, it's, it's some good technology. So, um, yeah, it's all... Yeah. Very computerised, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So we, um, so it's G- GPS steer, so it's auto steering. 
um, and then we map the yields as we go so we can see in real time um, so so we GPS map it so when we've harvested a paddock we know where the good bits are and how we can treat that so it's yeah, a bit of technology there yeah, yeah. Is it just for your farm, or do you go? Yeah, no, it is just for our farm. We I do a little bit for a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because um, our um, our season here, because we're coastal, which is great for growing good yeah. yields, but um, it makes the harvest window quite small. Yeah. So there's only so many days, and um, yeah, we, we we I wouldn't say we struggle to get our own done, but it's just comfortable. Yeah. So when it's parked up over winter, you sneak out there and give it a wee clean and sit in the cab, or is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just checking it. Gary thought that was a silly question. Yeah. Actually, yeah. No, no, you're just checking it. Yeah. Just checking it. Just, just checking it. it charging the battery. That's yeah. right. I need to keep the air conditioning. Turn it over yeah. now yeah. and then. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. good. Um, so I was under the impression there was two Guinness World Records. We discussed one. Is there a second or is yeah. there a, uh, Yeah. Well, well, it's not a Guinness World Record. So, um, I did apply to uh, to Guinness to, to set a world record for growing all seed rape because yeah. the, the two crops um, are companion crops a little bit uh, and if you can grow one well, you can usually grow the other. Uh, and so I wrote to Guinness and saying, would they set up a record for all seed rape, also known as canola? Mm-hmm. Um, and they and I supplied them with how many millions of hectares and millions of tonnes. It's a, it's a big crop internationally, not so yeah. much in New Zealand. but um, And they come back and said, no, it wouldn't be of wide enough interest for the consumers, um, I guess not very sexy growing all said rape yeah. um, or canola um, yeah. compared to how many golf balls you could balance one on top of the other. Yeah. So um, so I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, and then I picked up a, an English magazine. I subscribe to English Farmers Weekly um, and and a farmer from England, Tim Lammyman, had claimed a new world record of of six tonne per hectare. Um, and I thought, well, that doesn't exist. It's Guinness, um, yeah. don't have that. So, but he just said, well, it's not a Guinness World Record, but, you know, this is, I've proven this is the tonnage, and anybody out there who can beat that. Um, yeah. So so he, he sort of laid down the gauntlet a wee bit on that. So we, we, had a, we had a really good field that hadn't grown um, canola for a number of years, so the first crops, often you get a bit of a honeymoon, a bit, a bit of a boost because you haven't got any latent disease in the ground. Yeah. Um, so we harvest, we did the same thing. As though we were having a Guinness World Record, um, Jock Webster came out and he, he officiated um, yeah. around that, um, and we... Measured it and, and on way bridges and and did everything as though it was um, to the same conditions as Guinness uh, and it came in a six point three which was better than my old friend from UK to England so yeah <laughs> so um, and he's since gone back and set a record of seven to, also so Guinness have now said it's interesting enough yeah and they've set a limit of seven as being the bar yeah. so um, and and it's currently um, Nobody's nobody's reached that, so there's no formal Guinness World Record for canola. Um, so there, there, there might be that, that might be the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I like how competitive you are in, <laughs> in crop farming. This is fantastic. Crop farming wars. Yeah, uh, you could make a um, series on that, Gary. Couldn't do. Uh, yeah. Have you got another question? I do. Um, any children interested in coming on the farm or anything like that? Or yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So I have. Um, so I've got one, one. I've got one son, one daughter. So my son Harry, he's um he's back on the farm. I tried to dissuade him for many years yeah. to encourage him to do something else because I didn't I didn't want him under any pressure to come back to the farm. Yeah. And one day after I'd suggested he be a sports journalist or accountant, he said, "Don't you think I can be a farmer?" So um 
So, yeah, he could be a farmer. So he's he's just returned to the farm a few months ago, 1st yeah. of June. He's really interested in dairy farming, so he's not interested in combine harvesters. And, and he looks quite normal. You wouldn't pick it. But, yeah. um, so he, he loves um, he loves cows and working with animals. So I guess my mum, used, my mum and dad used to be that way. So, yeah, um, so a bit of a, yeah, it's a jump to generation. Yeah. So he's currently um, shear milking on our dairy farm, 800 cows. Yep. So he's he's loving the challenge. It's been Tough spring and all that stuff, but he's learning a lot. Yeah. How old is he? He's twenty three. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and he's got the sporting genes. So yeah, he's Aussie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your daughter, daughter's making a name for herself too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so um, Rebecca Rebex. Yeah, she's um, uh, she started life as a social worker. Or yeah, mm-hmm. she went went through school and she she struggled at school with um, ADHD and um, academically she was it was tough for her. She could struggle to read and write. Um, and she overcame that through through high school and university, and she did a, um, a degree in um, in social work, and yeah, so she um, she got honours in that in the end. So she sort of reinvented herself academically, and come back to Omaru and worked for Anglican Family Care for Brilliant. a few years. Yeah, yeah. and then um, then that just I guess that just played out as part of her life that she just wanted to try something different. She'd always been keen on retail as a as a kid. She'd, she wanted a cash register for Christmas when she one year when she was ten, so we did that. Yeah. Um, so now she's a bit like me, living a childhood dream. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's in retail. She runs a business called High Boutique here in Omaru. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, that's that's grown from a little yeah. shop into a bigger shop, and she does a lot online. And haven't they branched out up? Yeah. 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 So she's Ashburton. just Ashburton. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she opened Ashburton three or four weeks ago, and um, yeah, that's just going gangbusters. She's yeah, she's living her best life. Loving yeah. it. Featured yeah. in the business awards here. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, yeah, a couple yeah, of months ago. Yeah, she did. She picked yeah. up the best shop. I think last year she was best shop personality, so she picked yeah. up the best shop. So she was she was stoked about that. So um yeah. I, I might have to come talk to you off here and say, How do you get your children to come back into North Otago, stay here and make a difference? Mine are talking about leaving and travelling and, and not coming back. So I might have to come get some tips on how to oh, get them they back might, They might say about not coming back, but yeah. so often they, they do, as long yeah. as there's good reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. um you know, yeah. yeah when Becky wanted to thought about buying a business opening mm. a shop, I said, "Oh, middle of COVID, bricks and mortar business on the main street of Omaru, and I, I wouldn't be recommending that." And how wrong was I? So don't don't come to me for any retail advice. <laughs> so um, yeah, but it is Omaru has become a destination. It's yeah, it's people fantastic. travel here for yeah, yeah. Uh, the cafe culture, our boutique cafe. shops, yes, and um, yeah, Penguins. yeah. So one of my little hobbies is um, is Mia Gary. Yes. Mia Gary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, shucks. <laughs> so one of my little hobbies is counting the number of barista cafes you can have. You can have an Omri. Yeah. So yeah. thirty-two is my is my current. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. so it's a yeah, it's become a, a destination. It's great. And- and they're all on first name basis with my mum, and I hope she doesn't listen to this. But I know that she employs a few baristas in Omaru just with her um, patronage. Well, I think that yeah. was kind of probably about the ratio for pubs back in the the yeah. early days. Yeah, um, yeah. it was an amazing. So, the culture so changed. We've, we've yeah. changed the coffee now. Oh well. Well, partly anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway. So the last one was about a dodgy crop. Have we got time just to talk about that? Oh, do- yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I just yeah. heard rumours that you were yeah. growing dodgy crops in in public's view, and um, and you didn't care. You just just grown it, and the yeah. police had to come give you, uh, hey, what are you doing? Yes. Um. So we um we're growing a bit of industrial hemp. Mm. Um. So we did that for um we did that for two years. Uh. And it had to be um, part of the conditions. You needed a, a, a license to grow it. Um. And and it couldn't be seen from public view. Yeah. So the first year we grew it down the back of the farm. The second year we were running out of paddock. So um, 
one of the what you could do is, is plant a field of uh, a fence of maize along the roadside. So we planted a fence of maize to hide the industrial hemp. But a flood came along and made a little hole in my maize fence, and so you could peer in, and it looked like we were trying to hide something, mm. which we were. Um, so 40 hectares, 100 acres of, of hemp, which just looked like a big marijuana crop. Uh, police <laughs> rang me at half past 10 one night. said, what do you grow? What do you grow up the road? Yeah. Um, so I sent them my industrial hemp licence, and they were happy with that. Oh, but, they um, took you on your yeah, word. They, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, emailed that to them, and, and, and there was no problem. But um, So, uh, yeah, that was... Um, yeah, that was that was fun, and um, love to grow it again. Uh, but the market's oversupplied just right now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh well, that puts that room at rest. It does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't pop out to um, Biggs Road and uh, Hilda Thorpe and and pick up something from the Tinny House. So that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Too far? That's shocking. Yeah, oh, shocking. Dear. No, yeah. But anyway, um, thanks very much, Chris, for coming in today. Um, it has been really interesting talking to you. You've, you've, you've got a varied life and uh, just doing interesting things and contributing to North Otago and what we have here. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, really appreciate it, Chris. Um, nice to get, to get to know you and um, hear part of your story. And just want to thank you for what you're doing for the district. So it's not just about you farming and, and, and sticking to your own. You actually make a big difference in this community and um, from all of us here in the North Otago and Waitaki district. I just want to say thank you very much for everything you do and the many, many hours you put into investing into the community. So thank you. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Really enjoyed it. That's good. All, right, all the best. Well, there you go, Damien. You've learned a bit today, Gary. I'm I. I've enjoyed the whole podcast. Like, I enjoy all the podcasts, but I didn't know wheat would, could be so exciting and combine harvesters. I don't know. That's, I think if listeners could see the joy on your face, face. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like learning stuff and picking up new things. But um, yeah, no, that, that's that's what a great story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've got great farmers around the place, and you know, and, and all of the different um, you know types of farming. So you know, and. Chris is up there with yeah. the, the best. And and to be fair, like I, I, I don't know Chris that well. Like I, I'm getting to know him now and I'm really impressed. But how many other farmers and how many other community members like that who just get on and do something well? They're the ones we're looking for. Oh, there's and plenty. We're going yeah, to find them. We're going to find them. Even if we, we have to go to 100 podcasts, <laughs> yeah. Gary. No, there's, there's, yeah. there's lots of farmers doing lots of great things yeah. and being innovative and, um, you know, some of them are farming in pretty yeah. challenging situations. But, you know, they're... That's the thing. We've, you know, as New Zealand, we've got a good reputation for being pretty resilient and, mm. um, you know, innovative. North Otago, the farmers here have had to be be that over many yeah. years. So, yeah. very good. Perfect. Oh well, I'll, we'll sign off here, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks very much. Bye.